Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Hello, I am Dave Denholm, your host for the best soccer radio show in all of America on the home of world football here in Southern California. A pleasure to be with you each and every week here on ESPN LA 710. And we have such a massive show. What's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly? Sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company, embrace life, drink good beer. We have so much to drink in on this episode. What is on tap? MLS Week 1, the CONCACAF Champions League, the UEFA Champions League, and so much more. We've got our black and gold breakdown, and as always, stoppage time, plus a very special guest coming up in just a few minutes here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Want to dive right into MLS Week 1. Our two Los Angeles clubs were in action. LAFC. In their first ever game in Major League Soccer, they go up to Seattle. And look, here's the bottom line. you got to get points on a six-game road trip at whenever, however, against whomever you can. And LAFC, in essence, a perfect start. Get the victory. Get your first goal out of the way early. Get your first shutout, your clean sheet, and your first three points all in the same game. Just win. Al Davis would have been proud. Just win, baby. 1-0, LAFC. Let's make no mistake about it. They had to hang on the last 20, 25 minutes. I called that game from Seattle. I was going nuts the last 20 minutes because there was nothing but pressure. It was nonstop from Seattle because they felt three points slipping away. They certainly felt a point slipping away because that's what Seattle was hoping to get with a late goal. LAFC's defense stood tall in the form of Tyler Miller and goal, right? He deservedly wins uh, a trip under the MLS Team of the Week, no question. Oh, by the way, Diego Rossi's goal was just voted Goal of the Week earlier in MLS, so pretty good start for Los Angeles Football Club in their new debut here in Major League Soccer. They will head to RSL. We'll talk a little bit more about that. That was a big win for LAFC on a number of ways. Again, get the win as fast as you can. You have to get that first win out of the way as an expansion team. You remember we talked about it? Atlanta United didn't win their first game. Minnesota United got drubbed in their first game. Uh, What I loved about LAFC, Vela, Rossi, Latif Blessing. The combination play. I mean, Carlos Vela, look, we know he's good. But I'm sitting here to tell you, he's good. It's just, it's better than, oh yeah, Carlos Vela, he's a big Mexican star. And oh, they brought in a Mexican player. And yeah, he's pretty talented. He is good. He's not MLS good. He's not, oh, Liga MX, he's good. Like, oh, well, maybe. He is good. And he showed it. The the poise and composure in a game when Seattle started just absolutely throwing everything at LAFC. And kudos to the Sounders. Look, they had one eye on the Champions League, a game they had last night. They did. They had one eye on that. Remember, they didn't have Chad Marshall in the lineup, Clint Dempsey. They made no excuses afterwards. These are still professional footballers. Come on, you have a roster of 20-plus. You don't have a roster of 11. But they definitely felt the pressure build with their home crowd. And that home crowd, I got to say, I have to say, it. you know that I sports hate a few select teams with a passion when it comes to MLS. One of them is... Seattle Sounders, now not as bad as San Jose, but, you know, I sports hate Seattle. Their fans are incredible and deserve all the praise they get. 
absolutely electric atmosphere at CenturyLink Field. And that team, no wonder they're so hard to beat at home. That was only the second loss under Brian Schmetzer in something, I think, like 31 games at home under him. That is not insignificant to get that win out of the way. Bob Bradley will always tell you, look, it's one game, and you know, that's Bob's style. Certainly he's not a guy who's going to get too high or too low. But he had to feel good about that. When it came down to talk about that after the game with his assistant coaches, like, yes, we got that win. We got that win out of the way. And you know who else did? L.A. Galaxy. They needed that win over Portland, winning their first game at home at StubHub Center, 2-1 over the Timbers. L.A. Galaxy needed that one desperately. And they got it. They played well. I didn't know that I expected them to play well in that first game, if I'm being honest. We didn't know what to expect out of that newly built defense. In essence, really, Siani, of course, spent a little time here not playing well last season. And Ashley Cole, not exactly a spring chicken. Then you brought in Felcher and Jurgen Shelvick. You don't know how that defense is going to respond with Perry Kitchen in front of them. Here's a few things I take away from the Galaxy win. You needed it. Didn't matter how you got it. Same thing as the LAFC thing, really. I don't care if it was a couple of own goals in the 94th minute. I don't care how you got it. Scrap it, claw it, scrape it, barely get it, ugly. Didn't matter. Three points. And LA Galaxy played good, not great. There's still room for improvement, no question about it. I love what I saw of Ola Kamara. He missed a sitter, too. Could have put the game away, realistically. I love what I saw of Roman Alessandrini. He's going to miss this upcoming game with uh, against New York City in New York City because of the injury. Suffered a little bit of a strain. So that's unfortunate, but he played great. And, you know, I'll say this. A lot of people are going to disagree with me because he takes a lot of heat. You go back and watch that. I watched that game afterwards. I, I slowed it down, watched it on my DVR, made sure I... Giovanni Dos Santos did not play as badly as everybody kept saying he did. I'm sorry, he didn't. I know he's like the poster boy to beat up on because he's making the most money. He should be playing outstanding. He didn't have an outstanding game. He wasn't bad. He played pretty well in stretches. And Jonathan Dos Santos looked very good. I thought Perry Kitchen was okay. Everybody seemed to think Perry Kitchen had like the game of his life. Even Perry Kitchen afterwards was like, eh. And I'm not quoting here, but (laughs) you get the point. He was like, yeah, I played all right. He did. He played all right. Made a couple of big mistakes in my estimation and made a couple big plays. You know who else played really well this weekend? Benny Failhaber for LAFC had a couple of step-ups on Nico Lodero in crucial times and a couple of tackles that, look, he didn't show up on the stat sheet, didn't get an assist or a goal. He played really well as a deep-lying midfielder most of that game. Wasn't even trying to get into the attack that much in that game against the way Seattle had lined up. So it changed what he had to do against Lodero, and oh man, did he play well. But you know, Perry Kitchen played fine. He's a good player, but LA Galaxy looked good. They didn't look great, but I think that's exactly what Siggy Schmidt wants. Get that win out of the way, just like Bob Bradley. They're going to be looking at each other and their coaching staff saying, whew, now we can go play. Now let's try to get some wins in a row here. But you got to get those first three points. For LAFC starting their franchise, for LA Galaxy starting over as a franchise, realistically, after the worst season they've ever had. And beating Portland is no small feat. Timbers usually have their way with the Galaxy, it seems, although that's not necessarily historically true. But it, it just feels like the Galaxy have a tough time with Portland. And they got it done in that game. 
Other games of note, Houston pounding Atlanta. This goes to show you how hard it is to win on the road in MLS. Dynamo, decent team, destroyed Atlanta 4-0. It wasn't even that close. Philadelphia, nice win over New England. New England's a mess, I told you that. Philly's not that good either, but 2-0. Orlando beat D.C. United 1-1. Yeah, you heard that right. The, the Orlando, Orlando City beat D.C. United 1-1 was the final. Because Orlando City was down to 10 men for a lot of that game and still squeaked out a 90th-plus-minute goal and was pouring the pressure on 11-man D.C. United were lucky to get out of there with a point. So kudos to Orlando. After playing behind the eight ball most of that game, they get a 1-1 draw. FC Dallas 1-1 with RSL. Of course, that's the next opponent for LAFC, as we mentioned. RSL, kind of unlucky there. They played pretty well on the road. San Jose went up 3-0 over Minnesota United and hung on 3-2 couple of late goals for United from Kevin Molino. New York City FC is good. That's who's waiting the galaxy now. NYCFC went on the road to Sporting Kansas City and just shut them down. Wow. I said his name was Joshua Coleman. Of course, I meant Jesus Medina, who's the kid. Coleman, of course, goes, plays for Orlando City. But last week, I was talking about keep an eye on Medina. Now, I said Coleman, but I meant Jesus Medina, and he did not disappoint for NYCFC. A goal and an assist, he looked good. He looked really good. Vancouver beat Montreal. Montreal's still kind of figuring out Remy Gard. They're going to be all right. But Vancouver, just a better team at home. 2-1, nip and tuck. Not bad. Uh, What I loved about this week is I still get guys on social media and I still see people, oh, MLS, it's still a retirement league. What kind of moron are you? Have you not been watching for the last few years and have you not been watching the offseason this season? I mean, really, you got to just be stupid or willfully trying to destroy MLS to say, oh, it's such, an ex- it's such a retirement league. Shut up with that. Who scored for LAFC, Mario? Yeah, 20-year-old. By the way, he turned 20 the day after the game. How old's Jesus Medina? Yeah. Go look up the ages of these kids being brought over. It's one of the youngest leagues going now. And if you have a a penchant to say, oh, yeah, American players kind of suck. That's why I I love my EPL. I love my La Liga with my Barcelona jersey. You know how they'll they'll throw you the TH there? Yeah, I I root for FC Barcelona with my jersey. I've never gone to the camp now. Shut up. It's Camp New, and you've never gone because you don't even know what team it is. You just love Lionel Messi, and I don't blame you for that. But shut up. It's not your league. And they're oh, it's such a retirement league here. Really? Yeah, the 20-year-olds are coming from all over the world to retire. Ignorance or just plain trying to bury them on purpose. It is tough news for LA Galaxy with Roman Alessandrini with that injury. And by the way, the health report coming up later in the show. But it is sponsored by LA Care. It's the nation's largest community-inspired health plan. LA Care is elevating health care in the city of Angels. LA Care for all of LA. LACare.org. We will have that coming up later in the show as well. You want to stay tuned for more of that. We've got Champions League to get to, UEFA Champions League, some interesting results there. Plus, coming up next, Sebastian Salazar, one of our friends here at Soccer Weekly, will be joining us as we break down some of the CCL action, MLS in Week 1. Seb was all over it as well. This is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm again. Sebastian Salazar coming up next here on the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710.
Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm on the home of world football here in Southern California. Soccer Weekly presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, PuenteHillsToyota.com. We are pleased to be joined by a friend of the show and a friend of ours, Sebastian Salazar from ESPN. Sebastian, what a great, I got to tell you, I love Major League Soccer, Seb, and I love what happened in the first weekend. Let's just dive right into it. What are some of the highlights for you in week one of MLS? Well, you know, I got to uh, see it front and center, the Seattle LAFC game, working the sidelines for ESPN. So, I mean, I guess we can start there. I thought, look, I'll be honest, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, I was not the only one. There were quite a few of us in the production meeting uh, for ESPN that really thought LAFC had a thin roster to start the season. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that they found three points in Seattle, and I think you got to give the context that you know, Seattle was in between CONCACAF Champions League, and, and that really played into what they did with their not just starting 11 decisions, but decisions from the 18 on down. Um, and I think LAFC, as they, as they get on with this, they're going to need a lot more depth. But, man, nobody knows the rigors of an expansion season, what it takes uh, in this league like Bob Bradley. Uh, you know, and he's got a lot more resources now than he did back in 98. So, uh, I think, you know, we all were kind of like, wow, how's this going to work out going into a tough place to play like Seattle? And um, I think the fact that, that LAFC was able to grind it out was, was a, a real big surprise and says a lot about the, the core that they have. they got to flesh that roster out, man. They really uh, do. I think that, that, yeah. that core might be all right. In fairness, yeah, Omar Gabber was on the bench technically on the roster, and there was just no way he was going to play in that game. So they were coming in maybe 15 deep realistically, maybe 16 deep going into that first game. So you're right about that. They're going to need uh, a little bit more depth. Maybe not early in the season. You know, Seb, they got the two, two, three weeks off now after this next game coming up against RSL, but it will catch up to them. You're right. Adding a Twesta will help that. What did you notice about the rest of the league? Was there a team? Seb, I thought the D.C. United, was they lost 1-1 to Orlando, a 10-man <laughs> Orlando team. You know, and it just... What a game by Orlando with those fans down there to pull out a point. That was a big point. I'm in D.C. I'm in the District of Columbia as we speak. <laughs> so I know you had to bring that up. Um, yeah, look, when when um, when Darren Maddox misses that penalty, yep. um, or well, maybe I should say you know, when Joe Bendix saves, saves it, penalty, yeah. um, you know, you, you kind of get the sense that it was one of those nights for D.C. United. They, I think they're going to have a real tough time, this team, um, just based on, on the schedule alone early in the season, right? They're going to be on the road a ton. And when you get a chance to nick three points on the road, you you got to take it. But I was actually at D.C. United's practice today, and and I, I got a, I got a sense that it's a, a totally different group than, than, the, than the one that crashed out a year ago, a totally different attitude. You know, everybody can say that now. It's a clean slate. But I thought there were some positives there for D.C. United. Maybe that's just, relative because it was so so bad last year but orlando city is, is, is going to be a tough place to play man the weather is that as that as you get deeper in the season i don't think people realize the advantage some of these southern teams have not necessarily in the dead of summer yeah because everybody's playing in the heat but when you get into fall in like the northeast or the pacific northwest um, or even the midwest when when you're in fall mode and all of a sudden you got to go down into like 85 80 degrees, top humidity, like you're going to get in Orlando late in the fall, even late into the fall. Man, that could that could really cause some trouble for some teams. So uh, I think Orlando City is, you know, certainly a team to watch. But in that Eastern Conference, whew, good luck. Good luck. I mean, 
I'll give you a top seven. There's, there's, there's legit good teams that are going to be left out of the playoffs in the East. I couldn't agree more. We're talking with Sebastian Salazar from ESPN, at Sebi Salazar Foot on Twitter. You've got to follow him. He's a great follow. Seb, I couldn't agree more. This is a deep league right now, frankly. And, you know, I'm so tired. And I, I got I got to be honest with you. I don't really care what much what people say about MLS anymore because I love it. So it, most of the time it doesn't matter. But the one storyline that still bothers me, it's a retirement league. And I'm thinking to myself, how many 20-year-old South and Central Americans do you have to sign that are retiring at the age of 21? You know, it doesn't make any sense anymore. This league is loaded with young talent. It is. That really is um, the, the trend. And at some point, like if we keep yelling about it, right, we, we become <laughs> this, this ultra-defensive um, group about MLS. So uh, I, I think the, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. We see the, the average age of the designated player going down. We see the quality on the field going up. I mean, these, these signings like Barco are just are, are amazing. This, this is, I just hope people appreciate that we've gone from like first, second gear to like third, fourth really quickly. At least one team has mm-hmm. in terms of their overseas acquisitions. What Atlanta United is doing is next level. Yeah. It, is, it is like big club European level. If you look at their stadium, what they're putting in the stadium, I mean, their top four or five attendances worldwide. If you look what they're spending on a player like Barco, what they spend on a guy like Almiron, that's what some big European clubs, so some name European clubs that you see in the last 16 of Champions League, last eight, last four of Europa League would pay for, for talent like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the league that this league is trending towards and is going towards. Sure, Atlanta's way out ahead of the pack. But the only types of players you're going to see coming back here now are those, are those high-level you know, the, the, the Carlos Velas, the Giovanni Dos Santos, and you, you know, we, you know it because you live in LA and you probably get some of that from, from, you know, down in Mexico. And I have family down in Mexico. Like their perception of MLS is one thing. But as these guys start getting into the league and they're really down in Mexico, I think start consuming a little bit more MLS. I think the narrative around this league is going to change because it's already changing in Europe because all the guys want to come here yeah. and they see that their, their colleagues who are 27, 26, are coming over here, guys like Romain Alessandrini, and are killing it and loving it. And, and people want to be a part of that, man. This this league has some, some really nice draws, and they don't need to go after the aging superstar anymore because, you know, it, 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 it's shown that unless it's kind of one of the, a very, very select few names, it's not really going to... It's not really going to make that much of a difference. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, Seb, you, I'm glad you mentioned Mexico because I do want to focus on... Uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, in in as much as I cannot believe how good Toronto FC, Tigres, and America are, Club America. Now, I know, they, I know they're good, so I can believe it, but these three teams, holy cow, I don't know, I, I don't know who's going to win CONCACAF Champions League, Seb, but I don't know that it can be anybody but those three right now. I'm, I'm amazed at these three clubs. Well, you know why you're amazed? Because of depth. Yeah, I mean, if you look at and, and and so let's let's put it in perspective, right? Because Tigres really they they spend the money. I mean, they spend as much as anybody in North America, South America. Yeah. So the guys that they're bringing off their bench, and I'm not talking about the second guy, the third guy in 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 their depth chart is a player that would be making serious, you know, like mid six figures money in MLS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and these guys are are really far down on the pecking order. You know, so um, so Tigres is, is kind of on another level for me roster wise. Even then, America and and Toronto, I think those two have 
expenditure and budgets that are probably somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. And you saw that when you saw over the offseason how Josie Altidore was linked to Cuba America. And I don't know how much steam there was there, but I have a sense that there was something there. Yeah. Um, there, there was something there that, that, that made those rumors pop up. I, I don't think that was all, all smoke. I think there was some fire there. So, you look, um, they're, they're competing for the same players, and we've seen that more and more. Those, those three, to me, I, I think you're spot on. But to me, Tigres is a favorite. And I know we're coming off Toronto's big night, and, and we're coming off some more magical moments at BMO Field. But, but I think you get Tigres down in El Volcan. Oh. You get Gignac going. And, and, and if he's – I'm never going to bet against that guy. I've seen it too much in La Liga. Yeah. I'm never going to bet, bet against Gignac. You know, if he's there and he's going to go – um, Tigres have an edge on, on anybody on the continent. Some of that's, my friends disagree with me. On, that's not a knock on TFC. No, exactly. See, but some of my friends disagree, but I, I still say it's going to be a long 90 minutes for these MLS clubs going down to uh, Mexico on these second legs here, even though these Seattle and TFC have a slight advantage, no doubt. New York Red Bulls was impressive. I I don't know. Tijuana looked like they were chasing their shadow uh, most of the game there, but uh, that's a whole different story. We'll see if they can recover uh, in New York, which they still can. I, I'm just loving it. I'm loving talking to this guy anytime we can. Sebastian Salazar, check him out on Twitter, at Sebi Salazar Foot. Check his workout at ESPN. He's a friend of us and a friend of the show. Seb, thanks so much for taking the time, brothers. Always good to talk football with you. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. You bet. Sebastian Salazar here on uh, Soccer Weekly. I really appreciate him taking the time. He is one of the best in the business, and it's always a pleasure to talk to him. He just breaks it down and tells it like it is, and that's what I love about him. We do have to tell it like it is on the injury front within a couple of areas here in Los Angeles. And this health report on Soccer Weekly sponsored by L.A. Care as the nation's largest community-inspired health care health plan. L.A. Care is elevating health care in the City of Angels. L.A. Care for all of L.A., lacare.org. And for Los Angeles, the health looking good, by and large, for both LAFC and L.A. Galaxy. But there are some issues. As we mentioned, Omar Gabber still kind of trying to get back into full training. He's on the sidelines training. Walker Zimmerman, who ended up being a late scratch for that first game. I'm I'm not sitting here telling you I know for sure by any means. I don't know that we'll see either one of them getting onto the pitch I would guess that they may be very cautious with these couple of weeks off after this RSL game for LAFC. So they're going to probably be very cautious. Luis Lopez not ready to go. Zimmerman, you might he was on the sidelines working through practices, not with the regular team. You know, he's trying to get back. Neither one of them look like they're far by any means, and I guess it wouldn't be the greatest shock in the world if if one or both saw some time. I don't suspect they'll see it. Then they get another two-plus weeks to rest before that Galaxy game. And speaking of the Galaxy, we already mentioned Roman Alessandrini is out for the match at New York against NYCFC coming up on the weekend. He suffered a strain in that first game, came out a little bit early. Uh, that's a big injury, certainly. But again, I don't don't see it as being one that's going to linger too long, as long as they give him that time off early in the season. But Alessandrini, they got to have him on the pitch as much as possible. We know that. He has been very special for the Galaxy since he arrived last season. Even in the midst of a horrible season last year, he was awesome. So that is your uh, health report brought to you by LA Care here on Soccer Weekly. Still to come, stoppage time. Plus, I answer the question for you. I promise it's coming up. Which league is better? That's still coming up later. Liga MX or MLS. Thanks again to Sebastian Salazar. I am Dave Danholm. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. 
Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, uh, the host of this show, and we appreciate you joining us here. You can hit me up on Twitter at TalkSoccer. ESPN LA 710, of course, the home of world football here in Southern California. Thanks to Sebastian Salazar. Appreciate him. Hey, I had tweeted it out as a tease. I will be talking about and answering the question coming up, which is the better league, MLS or Liga MX? I will tell you my answer coming up. But first, it's time for Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown. It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this. Breakdown. And I got to tell you, what a story I have for Black and Gold Breakdown here. We like to do a lot of different things with this segment, but what a day I had going up to Seattle on Saturday before the first game for LAFC. If you haven't heard, I am the radio play-by-play voice. You can hear the games right here on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app or at ESPNLosAngeles.com. And I, I had the pleasure, uh, the the folks at LAFC wanted me to to fly up on this great opportunity for LAFC fans. Delta and Aeromexico, who are the official airlines for LAFC, they put together a flight for fans to go up to Seattle to see the first game. And it was, and I'm not just saying this, it was amazing. I wasn't expecting like the end of the world. Like I just thought, okay, they'll fly us up. It'll be great. You know, a lot of fans around, you'll sing a little bit. They went all out, did Delta and Aeromexico and LAFC. It was unreal. So you get to LAX, you get ushered in in a different area. You don't have to, you know, worry about going through the ticket counter. It's perfect. They had it all set up. They had people waiting for you to usher you wherever you needed to go so there was no confusion. And I'm a I'm a guy who kind of gets lost in that kind of stuff. You ask Mario Rees, I try to I drive back from practice with him in the car. Half the time I'm turning down the wrong street three or four times on the ride. Yeah, he's shaking his head. Yes, that is true. So I get lost anywhere, whether I've been to LAX a million times, which I have, or not. And yet they made it so easy. The people were helpful. So you go up, they had a nice breakfast waiting for us at Barney's Beanery there closed off to just LAFC fans. We were all starting to get crazy, meeting people like, yeah, this is great. Hey, how are you? Taking photos. I got to meet Heart of LAFC, a good guy, good fan with his family there. Got to meet a lot of other great friends and family, taking pictures. I'm, I'm Instagram storying it. I don't even know how to do that until the, that day. They had a black and gold carpet, like a red carpet, where there was our own gate. Unbelievable. Great breakfast. You get on the flight. And, you know, when when Delta and Aeromexico had kind of promoted this, it was like, yeah, and some special prizes and some special things waiting for you. And, you know, you hear that, and you're like, oh, cool. Whatever that might be, you're not expecting much. It doesn't matter. You're getting a flight up there. You're getting a ticket to the game. They went crazy. There was a jersey, an LAFC jersey waiting on every seat. You had your ticket to the game there. You had a backpack Aero Mexico and Delta and LAFC put together a backpack with earbuds in it and his other great gifts and like kind bars. Well, you know me with the food. And they know how to get to me. Starbucks gift card and a scarf that was commemorating it with the Delta flight number on it, commemorating Sounders versus LAFC first ever game. A great scarf. I wore that all weekend. It was unreal. The only problem I had with this flight, by the way, brand new plane, unbelievable, like, the the service in terms of t you could watch TV music whatever couldn't believe it all with a touch the touch screen was great I do I did have one problem with the flight yeah I know I, I'm sorry I'm gonna have to you know I'm a guy who tells the truth here the problem I had with the flight is we picked up too much of a tailwind it only took like two hours I am a guy who hates being on airplanes and I'm not kidding the flight went too quickly for me it was that fun during the flight. 
they would split up the time. They'd get on the, you know, get on the intercom. We'd do chants. Everybody's going nuts, right? I'm just like, you know, filming stuff. You're allowed to, you know, taking pictures, whatever. They had crews in there. ESPN had done some filming for the game. But it went too fast. It was barely two hours. And I'm not kidding. The tailwind we must have caught must have been incredible because coming home is like two hours and 40 minutes. Still a perfectly fine flight. All the other people who went up the same day, LAFC had some other folks who were working at different times. They had to come up on different two hours and 30 minutes. This flight was barely two hours. It was like an hour and 59. If, I mean, right. And I couldn't believe how fast it was. No lie. And it made it even quicker by the fact they were giving, they gave away like four first class tickets to anywhere they flew in Mexico, and then four first-class tickets down to South. If you did not go on this flight and you had any thought about going, you missed out. I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry. You missed out. It was unreal. I truly wasn't expecting that much, only because, you know, it's just great that they're even offering something like this. You don't want to assume. But, man, they blew every everybody's expectations out of the water. Everybody was on that plane. I know they got off with a smile on their face, truly. It was unbelievable and a great job by Delta and Aeromexico. They were great people, super nice, couldn't have asked for anything more. Oh, by the way, you go up and you fly up there and they win 1-0. So, yeah, there's that too. Not too shabby, I would say. That is a, a great adventure, but it was that is the black and gold breakdown for this week here on Soccer Weekly. We do want to talk about Champions League more and the UEFA Champions League. You know, I'm I'm a little upset with people who are like, oh, Tottenham, boy, they gagged, they lose to Juve at home. What a what a choke job! And come on, here's the thing: you make it to the round of 16 of the Champions League. Guess what? Anybody can beat you. Do you really look at Tottenham as such a major disappointment that Juve, with Gonzalo Higuain playing out of his mind, yes, they lost at home to Juve. Okay, it happens. Guess what? Juve's good. I don't know if you know this. They're pretty darn good. Let's go easy a little bit on Tottenham. Yes, it's disappointing. They should be disappointed because they're good too. And maybe they didn't play up to snuff the, both legs. Like they weren't the, at their absolute best. But have you, did you see Iguain's goal and that assist to Dybala? They were absolutely world class. It happens. Now, of course, it's different like Man City losing to Basel at home, but, you know, Man City was already up 4-0 after the first leg. So it wasn't as big a deal. Of course, City moves on. And then everybody's like, PSG, what a colossal failure. Yeah, you know, they didn't have Neymar, by the way, and, oh, they lost to Real Madrid. I mean, come on. Somebody had to lose out of those two. It was going to be colossal failure for either one. And, yeah, last I checked, wait a minute, let me check through. uh, Hang on a second. Yep, they still have Cristiano Ronaldo, Real Madrid, there. Guess what that means? They can beat anybody. You want to stack a team against them like everybody tries to do against LeBron James in the NBA? Guess what? You stack a team against Cristiano Ronaldo, he can still win. He's that good. Who's won the last two? This is not some major... Now look, that last goal in the first leg is what killed PSG, without doubt. That was the killer. That was the backbreaker. But to lose in a couple of legs to Real Madrid is not nothing shameful for Cranell, especially when you lost Neymar to the injury. Now, it's no excuse. And yeah, maybe Unai Emery will pay for it with his job. Okay. But let's not sit here and tell you, oh, PSG, what a disgrace. This is a horrible club. They're never going to do anything. 
calm down. Somebody got to lose. Somebody's got to lose. Liverpool takes care of Porto 5-0 in the first leg. That's all that mattered. That was a nil-nil drab affair. Who cares? Liverpool's moving on. They deserve to. But let's just remember this every round, okay? It's not some colossal failure when you lose to a great team. Yes, it's disappointing. Yes, it's a failure. Because PSG believed they could win, and they could have. Absolutely. They ran into a buzzsaw. It didn't work out. And they didn't play particularly well. Okay, time to go home. But it's not the end of the world. That's why they call it the Champions League. They don't call it the Average Teams League. They don't call it the Crystal Palace League. You don't see Brighton there. No offense to Brighton, my buddy Brighton Matt. Last I checked, they're not inviting Everton. Right? It's the Champions League. There are good teams here. They're all good. And I, I bring that back to Champions League in, in CONCACAF. Before we all get too excited about MLS beating the cha- uh, Mexican teams, three out of three, and that is very good, by the way, no question. Seattle beat Chivas 1-0. New York Red Bulls most impressively goes on the road to Tijuana and beats Jolos 2-0. Bradley Wright Phillips is good. And then Toronto FC plays Tigres. In a game that I will not soon forget, and I mean that sincerely, unless the second leg is better. That first leg in Toronto was unreal. The excitement and the game, it was bad weather, choppy weather, no question it affected play. That game had everything. These are two fantastic teams. I'm not saying fantastic for MLS or fantastic for Liga MX. These are two great teams football clubs they can play anyone and those two went toe-to-toe yes tfc pulled out a late jonathan osorio goal you have to see to believe in the 89th minute to beat tigres 2-1 but that is far from over tigres are good that game was outstanding drama and if you're missing it because it's not the epl eh, fine whatever but shame on you if you even claim to love football and I mean that sincerely. These are two great teams. Tigres brought Gignac off the bench. Victor Vasquez came off the bench for Toronto. These guys can play anywhere with anybody. These teams are deep. They're good. The The guy that TFC signed at the right back is the first time I got to take a good look at him, Oro. He shut down Javier Aquino. Try doing that. I get nightmares in my sleep of Javier Aquino. He shut him down. Time and time again, these teams are going right at each other. Eduardo Vargas's goal for Tigres was a thing of beauty. Gignac nearly scored a very similar goal, missed by inches. Altidore got the first goal for TFC. It was well played, absolutely pure setup. He finished with a plum. He could have had another one. I mean, this thing was unreal. These are the two of the best teams anywhere. Yes, I said it. And I cannot wait for the second leg. I'm scared already for it. Just outstanding. Now, Seattle Chivas, here's an here's interesting thing about that game. Seattle played pretty bad, in my estimation, for what Seattle can do. They're not ready yet, 100%. But you know what? They also played pretty good in a lot of ways. Held Chivas defensively. Didn't screw around with them. Really had some good opportunities. Chivas had some chances. 
And Chivas is not playing well, but Seattle took advantage of that. It was a massive win, keeping a clean sheet at home. And And Seattle didn't even play that well. Both teams can play a lot better, and they probably will. But these are impressive wins. And it leads me to the question that I laid out for you that I would answer. And I told you I'd answer it, and I will do it coming up next. Who is the better league? Liga MX, MLS. I will answer that for you next here. Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back, Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm. This is the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. And it is the question I asked you earlier on Twitter this week, at Talk Soccer, and I'm going to answer it right now. I've been teasing it all show. Which league is better, Denholm? I get this question for so many areas of the world football. Which league is better, Liga MX or MLS? Well, we saw what happened in the Champions League this week, didn't we? What league is better, Denholm? And I'm going to tell you right now what the answer is. Are you ready? Here we go. Neither. It is the wrong question. And I'm not mad at you for asking it. I'm just tired of hearing it. And I'll tell you why. It's a dumb question in this sense. Liga Amekis. How many teams are there? Count them for me. One, two, three, four, eighteen. 18. MLS, how many teams? I can't even count anymore how many teams are in MLS. I think there's 23 now with the addition of LAFC. You think Lobos Bwop could win MLS? you nuts. You think Atlas is good enough to win MLS? You're crazy. Those teams aren't very good. You think the Colorado Rapids could go into Liga MX and survive? You're crazy. You're absolutely nuts. You're insane. You think Minnesota United is good enough to play with Santos every week? You're absolutely downright ignorant. That's the point. The answer is, it doesn't matter. These teams live and die by themselves. And MLS, the best teams in MLS, yeah, they can beat anybody in Liga MX. You know what? Guess what? Club America can beat anybody in MLS on any given day. And sometimes they'd pound them into a fine powder and sprinkle them over their oatmeal. That's how good they are. You think Toluca couldn't win in MLS? You're nuts. You think they could lose to MLS? Yes, that's the point. It's the wrong question. There is no this league's better than that league. You think the the premiership is good from top to bottom? You don't watch the premiership. You're lying to yourself. And I'm going to point to a team, and boy, I hope he's not listening. He's a buddy of mine, but he loves Brighton. This is a team, I'm going to go to Brighton for an example, right? I've watched Brighton and Hove Albion their first year in the Premiership. Oh, it's such a, it is a great story, truly. The fans are unreal there after watching this team come up from the Championship. Brighton and Hove Albion have scored less than a goal a game in the Premiership. Their defense has been rock solid, don't get me wrong. They can't score. Do you know where they lie in the premiership table right now? 10th out of 20. And this is a team that can't score a goal a game. Now you can say, but Denholm, the competition, yes. At the top of the premiership, you're right. Those are some pretty darn good teams. But my point is the bottom half of the premiership is garbage. It's not very good. These teams aren't really good. You ever watch West Bromwich Albion play? I nearly lost my lunch a few weeks ago trying to watch them play. That's the point. You can't judge a whole league anymore on one team. There's too much money at the top of the premiership. For one thing, those teams are really good. Those teams are world class. 
Crystal Palace is not. Southampton is not. And guess what? And I keep picking on them. I, I apologize, really, because I don't really like them. But I apologize. Colorado Rapids is not. They're not world class. But they're not anywhere near the level of Toronto FC either. We're asking the wrong question. Is Liga MX so much better than MLS Denholm? You're nuts. Is, is MLS even on the same level as Liga MX Denholm? You're nuts if you say that. No, it's the wrong question. It's team by team. Can Tijuana play in MLS? Of course. Can they lose in MLS? Yes, you bet. That's the point. And that's why I wanted to stress this so much. There is no, oh, this league is better. For one thing, look, top to bottom, Liga MX used to be better than MLS. That is true. No question. Guess what? When Liga MX was 100 years old and MLS was seven, yes. Now, were there some good teams in Major League Soccer? You bet. And they lived right down at the StubHub Center at that time, known as the Home Depot Center. Yes, the Galaxy, they could play with anybody back then. Of course, they could beat anyone in CONCACAF, no doubt. They didn't always do it, though. And those Mexican teams are just so good. But not every Mexican team is good. I love Pachuca. They're average. Although the Uca Darby, huh? The Toluca taking care of business. We can't even talk about that. We got so much going on. I love Leon. I love that they signed Landon Donovan. They're all right. They're okay. You think I'm going to be worried about Nakaxa if I'm Toronto FC? No, they're not as good. But that's a team-by-team thing. Let's just enjoy it. Guess, guess which league is very underrated? MLS. Around the world, no question. Guess which other league is very underrated around the Liga MX! They're both supremely underrated, just like most of CONCACAF is. Let's not worry about it. Am I afraid of Jorge's Cruz Azul? No. But are they not a bad team? Yeah, they're pretty good. They're all right. They're struggling right now, but I'm not afraid of them. Oh, my gosh. There's no way an MLS team could play with Veracruz. Are you kidding? That's absurd. Just like Veracruz would probably stomp on New England Revolution because the Revolution are garbage right now. But that's the point. Come on. You know what I'm saying. There's too much talent being brought into both these leagues. And it's it's a team by team. We talked about it with Seb Salazar earlier. He knows. He watches both these leagues. There's too much young talent coming into both. I got no problem with anybody liking one or the other. Fine. But you can't sit there with in good conscience in either way tell me, oh, they're so much better than that league. Or, man, this team, the Toronto FC couldn't even hang in Liga MX. Are you insane? Come on. That's just not even fair. You're being stupid or you're just trying to, to get people riled up. It really is. You're not being reasonable. And I'm not going to take three matches from Champions League this week and say, oh, MLS is so. No. They still got battles on their hands. Those are two-leg ties. But let's not for any minute think that we can sit here and just uh, the entire 18-team Liga MX is just so much. Come on. You get the point. Enjoy it for what it is. Enjoy the individual teams that are being built because some of them are uber-talented. I think Seattle's got a great roster. They're not even clicking yet. I think New York Red Bulls, holy cow. They're good. Yeah, they beat Tijuana down there doesn't mean that the Jolos are going to pack it in and go away and leg two. Now, New York Red Bulls might win, 
But they got a fight on their hands coming up in the second leg. These teams are close. Toronto FC and Tigres, if you can tell much difference between the two, you're either lying or you're way better at analyzing than anybody thinks. Because there's not much difference between the two. Now, yeah, there's individual talent on the field that might make the difference. As you heard Seb Salazar talking about the great Andre Piaget. I wish he was playing here in Los Angeles. He's that good. And, oh, by the way, Javier Aquino probably won't have as bad a first or second leg as he did in the first leg. He'll figure it out against R.O. over on that left side of offense for Club America. I'm sorry, for uh, Tigris. You know, and is anybody going to stop Club America? They might well be the best team, even above Santos here in CONCACAF right now. But you know what? They could be beat. Absolutely. And that is, that's beautiful. I love that I can't tell the difference as much anymore between the two leagues. I really can't. That is a good thing, not just for MLS. That is a good thing for Mexico in the long run. It's a good thing for League MX, and it's a good thing for Mexico and Mexican football. It truly is, and that's where it should be. We should be now starting to be worrying about, hey, is uh, Tigres going to beat Real Madrid when it comes down to the Club World Cup? How's Toronto FC going to beat Barcelona in the Club World Cup when they get there? That's the kind of stuff we should be asking. Not, oh, are they as good as this league or is this league better? I'm starting to think they are. No, it's the wrong question. It's team by team. It's player by player. And it should be. Hey, time for everybody's favorite segment as we wrap it up each and every week with the great stoppage time. What time is it? It's stoppage time. Yeah, stoppage time. It's stoppage time. Right now. Brought to you by the proud sponsor of Stoppage Time, Puente Hills Chevy. Find new roads at Puente Hills Chevy off the 60 freeway in the city of industry, the San Gabriel Valley Chevy store. Se habla espanol. He does as well. It's the great producer of this show, Mario Rees. Mario. Look at that. We got a big old sponsor That's now. right, We're baby. We're blowing up here, baby. I won't, ma- I won't make you habla espanol here in this segment, <laughs> but I know you can. But more importantly, you are the uh, host here of Soccer Weekly stoppage time each and every week what's up buddy my man so uh nba superstar from the go to state warriors steph curry indeed says that he shares some creative genius qualities with barcelona star Lionel messi mm. and he says uh messi and i are creative geniuses who try to impact the next generation and i think he's right because mm. they definitely do impact the next generation. okay yeah on that level i would agree that he's correct for Steph Curry to try to compare himself to Lionel Messi in terms of greatness is frankly laughable on some level. Steph Curry is really, really, really good at basketball. Okay. Now let me lay that out. He is dynamic. He's changing the game. He is a Hall of Famer. He has made himself up from a guy who nobody really thought was going to be that good coming out of Davidson. And he has. That is his story. Period. You cannot compare yourself to Lionel Messi, however. He says, uh, I think it's the creative genius to what he does and a flair, but also there's a fundamental aspect to the flair. Okay, that's fine. Look, I understand where he's coming from, and I'm not saying he's dead wrong. Just try not to put yourself in the conversation with probably the greatest soccer player in the toughest sport with the most talent in that sport at any given time in the world. Because I'll tell you what, Mario, and I've said it time and time again, there are a hundred Steph Currys that play soccer. I'm sorry, the NBA, the talent level is not comparable right now. 
And that's not to say Steph Curry isn't great, because he is world-class, if we're going to use a soccer term. LeBron James is world-class, no doubt. But guess what? They're not on the level of Lionel Messi. You just can't do it. You can't compare yourself to Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi if you're playing a sport now. in this. You're not as good. You're just not, Steph Curry. And that's fine. Again, he's great. Their greatness. That is the difference. And uh, speaking of greatness, it's Soccer Weekly here. Thanks so much. That's stoppage time, as always. The great Mario Rees. Always appreciate his work. Michael Funches, Rebecca Wobble, and Seb Salazar. Sebastian Salazar. Check him out at, at Sebi Salazar Food. I'm Dave Home. Check me out at Talk Soccer on Twitter. Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710.